It's just how do we formalize it? How do we make it part of this urban planning? And that is where I did an integrated. We look at it and we see how do we help formalize or aggregate these um, informal, fragmented public transport that we are seeing because it has its role, it has its purpose. Hello and welcome to Entrepreneurs Talk Africa, a source of inspiration and actions from African leaders and founders. I'm Mark Israel, founder, CEO, startup coach and mentor, university lecturer, engineer and human being. And have the pleasure of being your host of the first episode of the sixth season. Can you believe that? So today we will step into a topic that is dear to the hearts of a majority of Africans, particularly when it comes to the current pandemic, and that is public transportation. And more precisely, the future of public transport in Africa. So to talk about it, I'm very pleased to welcome Mari Mwangi, the CEO of Data Integrated Limited. I'm, I'm happy to have you as a guest today, and we met through a friend, Jiba Diallo, um, who has been featured on, on the podcast as well uh, a couple of months back. So before we deep dive into our topic today, I would like to plan the decor for our audience and that you present briefly the history and core business of Data Integrated, the company you're leading. Data Integrated is a company we formed back in 2012, and the aim was to digitize and automate payments for SMEs and also to automate and bring efficiency within their businesses by providing them a way to collect data regarding their transactions. So back in 2012, when we were trying to create these solutions, we wanted to integrate the uh, mobile money, the card payments, and all the other forms of payments that were found within the region. So by doing this, we create, we got a device that we were able to put all these applications on, and then we were ready to start testing the solutions and see if they worked. At the same time this was happening, there was an advert in the papers that said that the government was looking for a cashless solutions to uh, implement within the public transport. And we thought, hey, why not? Why can't we go pilot these solutions within the public transport sector? Because at that point, we hadn't fully finished our inventory system for the devices. So we thought, aha, this would be easy to do it within public transport since public transport only has uh, one product, which was the ticketing. So like in Kenya, when you look at public transport, they are forced to organize into uh, for the government to be able to manage them. And you're finding that this model is actually being adopted by several other African countries. They're just saying for public transport, we kind of have to let them regulate themselves, but in certain uh, formations or formalities, because you can regulate each and everybody. So they make them into these kinds of organization. And this model is also proven to be quite successful. Mm. Yeah, but, but so I, I, I got that. Um, and the fact that it's, well, I think it's interesting what you're saying is that, well, it's highly profitable. Well, it's I, I, actually, it, it's highly, I don't know, I'm not sure, but actually, at least the, the guys go where profit can be made um, on one side. Uh, on the other side, so it's quite e- efficient. Um, but but it should, because it, it's completely decentralized so it should be a headache really because there there is no central organization to engage how do you how do you go through that maze of you know hundreds if not thousands of operators 
like I said, in Kenya, they are, they are, they have been um, required to form savings and credit cooperatives, which okay. are called SACOs. Yeah. So to have a matatu, you have to put it in a SACO, and a yeah. SACO has to have at the minimum 30 buses. So okay. on average, a SACO has about 80 to 100 on average. Some have wow. more and a few have less. So to get into these organizations and trying to automate or digitize them or work with them, then you go to the SACO. There's a point of contact from the SACO. Then from there, at least you get, uh, they usually will form some kind of board of management. Actually, public transport, if you look in terms of um or businesses, they are some of the most organized because they were forced to form these kinds of uh, cooperatives. Mm-hmm. So they form into groups, into organizations. Decisions are made within those groups. So we go to the board meetings, we go to their annual general meetings, and we get some of our requests. Like we say, we want to digitize your buses. We want to bring a cashless solution to your buses. So then you find who are the decision makers over there, whether it's their board or if it's a company owned by individuals, some of them are owned by individuals. And that gives us a point of contact for us yeah. to go from there. Okay, so but but um, but how many SACOs do you have currently in Nairobi and overall Kenya? We have about 700. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're not here. Nairobi itself, we are about 200 plus. Yeah. Okay. They're about. And- and today, all of them or most of them are your customers or how does that work? No, we are only about 5% <laughs> of the general population in terms of the Matatu. But, you know, it's a process. We feel that, you know, you, you've got to go into and try and get each at a time. But even with those uh, 5%, we are talking of uh, uh, close to 45 or so bus companies, tackles basically. And, and then an average of close to five over five thousand vehicles on the system. Okay, and and and, uh, and it's it's interesting. So um, so the way that well the, the structure is that on one side, so decentralized, sure, but some centralization through the SACOs and those those cooperatives. Um, but what you know when when you entered that um, that industry, so what was your biggest challenge really? was or still is actually uh, it's when we try to introduce a cashless system okay and trying to convince um the drivers and the conductors and the stage managers the benefits of having a cashless solution within the public transport you know how to formalize it um, that is where the, our biggest challenge is because most of the drivers and conductors and how it operates in Kenya is that they everything is cash-based. And so yeah. they collect the cash and they say how much the owner of the vehicle is going to get at the end of the day. Yeah, You know, they get quarters and they're told at the end of the day, we need to collect, we need you to bring us like uh, 5,000 shillings or 10,000 shillings. Yeah. And so if they can make more than that then the rest of it they pocket so they see that digitizing this process is going to take some money away from their pocket mm. and then some of the other challenges we have is that most of them want their money daily and so when you have a digital system sometimes they won't get their money daily so it's a matter of building trust 
and you find that the trust needs to be built, not just between you and the drivers, but also the drivers and the owners, right? So the owners, the, the drivers feel that if the owners get all the money, they're not going to give them what they are due or on time, what they are supposed to be paid. And they feel that since they've already collected the money, they take their part and then they give the rest to the owners. And then there's also the part of now the circle will know how much money the owner is making. The government will know how much money is ma being made. So they'll come in and tax. You know, there, there's a few uh, challenges there that everybody's scared that data is going to come out and, you know, they're going to be exposed of how much money is there and, you know, where it's going. And some of them feel like with the chaos, maybe they take advantage a bit on, you know, reporting. But that's, I think that's, that's critical what you're saying is, well, um, and, you know, uh, and I've seen that, you know, as I said, I spend a lot of time in, in Nairobi, but not only in Nairobi, the same thing happens in Kampala, in Dar es Salaam, uh, even remembered horrendous stories, actually, that, that happened to me uh, in Ethiopia, in Addis. Um, so everything is is cash. So if you don't get cash, well, you're just you know shillings in, in Kenya. Or if you get dollars, that's fine as well. Uh, and I and I understand the story about the trust and the fact that the guys pocket some of the money and you know hide from the government and, and everything. So and everything is is kind of happy at the end of the day. Everybody's happy at the end of the day. But but how, what is the secret sauce really to move those guys to cashless? and to digital digital payment? Uh, I, I think now it's starting to down on these companies that, you know, cashless is inevitable, digitalization okay. is inevitable. And so they know that's where the economy is going. So now the best thing is to see how do they come out still as winners within the system. Mm. So uh, how we've approached it is actually to try and identify who are the key stakeholders, what are their concerns, and what kinds of parks can we put in there that they would be happy and comfortable with a deal that finally comes out that everybody feels like they've won something. Mm. And uh, we struggle with this sometimes because, um, you know, at the end of the day, that balancing act has some people that were not part of key stakeholders, but they're still in the system. Mm. You know, you have your police who are on the side, you have other guys who are on these bus stops and places where uh, when you try to see which value are they adding, you don't see the value proposition that you would be able to give to them. But it's still a reality, it's still a fact, you know, that they are part of this system. So we struggle with that. Mm. We are hoping we are coming up with some secret thoughts, some of which we are solving, some of it crops up again. But um, we are seeing a lot of progress. We are seeing a lot of uh, better, better reception. No, and I think that, yeah, the evolution of digital anyway is, um, is something that you cannot go against. And, and we've seen that um, almost everywhere. Um, but that's so what you're seeing now in Nairobi and, uh, and, and probably, um, well, outside of Kenya, outside of Nairobi as well. So are you seeing the same, um, the same patterns uh, in, in the rest of Africa or in neighboring countries at least? I think what we're seeing outside Kenya and Nairobi is 
pretty much about the same, but now there is a new uh, thing that's coming in. And this is where the different governments are also trying to play a role in the public transport. There's a big push to build uh, bus rapid transit or light rail within the cities to help the um, you know people move easier around the cities. And so we that what we are finding is that a lot of the public transport vehicles or guys who are playing into this um, ecosystem, given these types of transit solutions, are kind of being left out. Mm. In the in the proper planning of how the African city or how Africa is going to look like in the future, and you see a lot of emphasis being done without including these types of informal transit, which I don't feel like it's really advisable in the way they're going about it. Because even if they are limited resources, these governments have limited resources. And not just the limited resources that are a problem, is the rate at which the urbanization is yeah. happening in African cities. And then the other thing is how the cities were planned, right? Where were the, where were the uh, extensions built? Where are people building? How is the uh, landscape? And mm. you will find that these sprawling developments that are coming out, um, and they are mostly dispersed, it's going to be very difficult to keep up uh, with yeah. proper infrastructure for a long time. Mm. And so we feel that there is a space for this type of paratransit. And it's just how do we formalize it? How do we make it part of this urban planning? And that is where I did an integrator. We look at it and we see how do we help formalize or aggregate these um, informal fragmented public transport that we are seeing because it has its role it has its purpose and once if we can connect these uh, bus companies together into a common platform give the people a way to interact with these buses together you know just like any major city has on an aggregated platform we feel that it would improve and with this you can plug in all the other forms of uh, urban movements that's happening, including the new um, bus rapid transit or the light rail, or even the uh, smaller transit uh, systems that are coming, like the motorbikes, the, the three-wheel vehicles, the tuk-tuks, like we call them in Kenya. And the, we could find a space for all this to come together through aggregation, through but technology. We feel like it's there. Yeah, and, and, and I think that you you play a huge role because I presume that uh, well, even though you got only five percent of the market, but you know, still room for growth. But you you are gathering a, a lot of data that gives you insights into where people are going, when, uh, how long, all, all those things that that today nobody had actually. Yeah, actually, we are able to also help in route planning. You know, yeah. how do you route these vehicles? How do you build these schedules? How do you plan? When are people mostly moving? When are they not moving? And where are they going to? It's yeah. very hard to collect this kind of data, especially in uh, in sub-Saharan Africa. True. But we are able to collect this data. And we feel that if we are able to say, this is where people are going, these are the times people are moving, these are 
that the routes will also help in terms of route planning and yeah. also how to build a better integrated system that helps the masses as they move. Yeah, so you, if, if you cross your data with Google Maps and, uh, and all those uh, you know, data points as well, so you, you got a perfect mapping of you know, what's happening, when, where, and you can almost forecast traffic jams. We've already done that, actually. Okay. We've Ooh. been able to uh, add maps into most of the transport, and so we are able to also provide mobile apps to the passengers, and so we are able to tell where they're going, and they're able to tell where the vehicles are. We are also able to, uh, through adding uh, other devices, like tracking devices on these vehicles, we are able to help them schedule. We tell them when is the vehicle coming, when is it going to arrive, you know, and then we can also say there's a jam, this one's going to be delayed. We can say we need more people, you know, bring more vehicles. There's more people mm -hmm. waiting on this direction, that kind of thing. We are able to provide that kind of information. So you're you're completely well. You're completely changing the future of of those kind of transportation, aren't you? We hope so. Um, you know, it all depends on the intake and how much uh, people take it. Like we say, sometimes when you're trying to bring in a whole new system like this, they say it takes a village to raise a kid, but it takes a village sure. to really get these kinds of systems, you know, uh, formally working. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's fascinating. So, so um, I was telling in the introduction that we want to talk about the future. So, so how do you see the future? So, you talked about light rail and, and rapid transport systems, uh, but it, it's not going to happen anytime soon. So, you know, it's as you said. So, infrastructure is just you know completely crazy. <laughs> um, actually, it was uh, we had a, an, uh, an architect, an urban architect, on on the podcast uh, a couple of uh, months back as well. Um, you know, fascinated as well by the African um, uh, urban planning. Well, 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 actually he said, well, the thing is that when we talk about urban planning is that there is no plan. So basically, so it's, <laughs> and it's impossible to plan anything because it's, uh, it's completely uh, erratic. Um, but, but how do you foresee the future? So what, what are the big trends that you're seeing? Actually, I, I don't, okay, I do believe it looks unplanned. It looks a bit chaotic. But I believe there is a system there. <laughs> yes. Though informal, though not documented, <laughs> there is a system that works. Yeah. You know, um, I've, I've seen those, you know, you've seen those uh, videos where you see cars crossing in an intersection, there are no lights and nobody's hitting each other. Yeah. Africa is somehow like that in their yes. public transport. You know, there's certain chaos in it, but people kind of understand the system. Yeah. And so what I see actually happening, I believe it will be a hybrid. Mm -hmm. I believe there is going to be maybe in the foreseeable future a place for this paratransit, you know, uh, for the Matatu, for the Dala Dalas or, you know, whatever the Trotro, whatever they call it in the, whatever part of Africa that you go to. I believe there's going to be a mixing of it. The public transport uh, run by government on the rapid transit or light rail just can't work the way Africa structured. I don't think um, it's going to be overhauled completely, but I think we can um, create a system that works. Mm. Information where things are predictable, where things are better organized, uh, where we bring in certain structure, no matter which form it takes. 
And I don't believe Kenya is going to be, or Africa or Sub-Saharan Africa is going to be like London or Tokyo, you know, or any of these big cities in terms of how the infrastructure is going to turn out. But I do believe we will have a system that works. You look, uh, we got Uber in the US, it comes to Africa, it works. In its own way, it has ways it works. So what we believe is there's going to be a bit of customization of systems that we will adapt from everywhere, especially Kenya. We find that Kenya is very adaptive. We like to borrow things from so many different cultures. We bring in here and you adapt it and you make it work for the situation. And I believe public transport in Africa is going to end up being like that. Not everywhere will be yeah. served by bus rapid transit or light rail, yeah. but between that and the paratransit and all these other transport systems that are coming on, um, we will have a working system. I'm very excited to see that uh, because they say most of Africa is walking, you're seeing where they're building now those kinds of paths where people can walk or people mm. can use their bikes. Um, bikes are still not very common cycling around. Um, for a lot of people, yes, but some of that is also security related. Yeah. You know, because there are no places to pack your bike that's safe. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, certain infrastructure, but I believe with better planning as the cities get planned and probably new cities will come in and have get it right. But for the older cities that are already there, uh, we'll just have to blend in yeah. the systems that are currently there and the ones you want to break. Bring in diversity. Yeah, that's what uh, that's what makes the world interesting. Uh, cool. So we're, we're, we're closing uh, and uh, getting close to the end. Actually, it's, uh, it's a fascinating topic and I think that we can talk for hours. But uh, uh, you being an entrepreneur and, you know, and, and, um, and most of our audience uh, is uh, startupers, entrepreneurs, uh, CEOs and the like. So um, we have a, a kind of a, of a question that we ask every every of our interviews, which is what is the one advice you would share uh, from your experience with any entrepreneur or wannabe entrepreneur? I would say, for the most part, trust your gut. And also build some kind of perseverance. You know, you need to be patient. Uh, building things, especially in Africa, never works within your timeline. Yeah, yeah. So you will need that. Yeah, guts. I have the guts and uh, and yeah, be persistent. Yeah, patience is definitely something which is very, very, very key. Cool. So thanks, thanks very much, Mary. Thanks for uh, for spending our time and thanks to the audience uh, for tuning in and, and listening. Uh, you've been listening to Entrepreneurs Talk Africa, a source of inspirations and actions from Africa founders and leaders. I'm Mark Israel, co-founder and CEO of the Talk Collective, the company uh, behind Entrepreneurs Talk Africa. And today we have the immense pleasure of hosting Mary Mwangi from Data Integrated. So before our next episode, thank you for taking 10 seconds to leave us five stars on the podcast app you're using. It really helps us. So thank you in advance and see you next week for more inspirations and actions from the African continent. Ciao. Thank you very much.